I will definitely do it. I, I, I will definitely go for a business. And, I mean, all the risk it takes, but it's really gratificating, not only because of what you do, but also you generate jobs. I mean, you, you generate jobs for people that maybe they are not capable of having their own job or their own company because they are, they, they can. Hello, hello, and good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you Happy are. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And welcome yeah. to a brand new edition of Social Confos in 2023. It's episode 95. Wow. Five yeah, if you do the math, we missed a few episodes last year no, to make it 100. It's but... pretty good. It's 95. 95 episodes over the last two years. It's pretty impressive. We're closing on to our 100 episodes. And Diego, I have to say, because for the Lucky D show, we're going to switch it up with the intro, but I must say, I still love the intro very, very, very much. So my compliments to you for, for, yeah. But first of all, you picked the right song to open up with. Value of evergreen content, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I have to say, I'm I'm quite excited. Ruth is joining in to wish you a happy new year, Diego. Ruth is also going to help me, cue me for something that I have to do a little bit later as well. But what can we expect for today? So today we're gonna, we have a guest again. We, we, did, we had our last episode like two weeks ago, I think right before Christmas. We close it a bit off with recaps, AI stuff, how that's taking over. And I actually made a post, a new year. And I see a background. And the background yeah. AI generated. So that's going to be interested. Curious to think what our guest thinks about that topic, maybe as well. But today we have with us Boris, Boris Blanco, Mr. White. <laughs> I met Boris last year during the Young Leaders of America's initiative in Portland. Boris is actually a 2021 YLI alumni, and he was part of the small select group that got to travel to their partner state because they didn't get a chance to travel due to COVID that previous year yet. And he was part of that select group. So that just speaks that, you know, out of the cream of the crop, he was at the top. A very fun, <laughs> humble guy. Really made, actually, friends real quick. I think I met him during getting breakfast one morning. So we met over breakfast. Like, who is this new guy? I haven't seen you around for the past few weeks. And then he arrived there. And immediately he was like, you know, befriending everybody, networking, making sure everyone met new people, engaged. Fun fact, we had uh, Virginia on like a, a few months ago. Yeah. It was Boris whom she met during the networking <laughs> that led us to Virginia's rooftop. So that was really cool. But with that being said, Boris, we're going to let you speak more about what you're doing, your business, your experience in business, supply chain, facilitating leadership. But Boris, welcome to Social Compo. Well, thanks, Diego. Thanks, Janut. I mean, I'm, I'm honored to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. I mean, we've been talking about this with Diego for a long time. It's very important that we will be here in a live in a podcast or something like that. So I'm really honored to be here and hopefully to talk to you guys. I'm, I'm from El Salvador. I'm actually an entrepreneur from El Salvador. I, I, I didn't know it, I, I said that. And I'm really happy to, to be an entrepreneur, to be a facilitator for people to become entrepreneurs. And I'm here to talk about it. Let's, let's roll. Awesome. So, so let's first start off because El Salvador, there's a reason why it's called El Salvador, as you know, the, the Spanish history behind it. But I, I'm really intrigued to figure out like, okay, so where do you feel like, where do you belong to as El Salvador? Is it, are you Latin? How do you connect with the other countries in the Caribbean? Is there a connection? Are you more linked to middle America? Are you more linked to the Caribbean? How is that? Just for, for a perception of somebody who doesn't know quite as much graphically as well about your country. Well, El Salvador is a really small country. We're located like, like right in the middle, like right in the center of Central America. And we're a really small country, so we're part of, we 
we think as Salvadorans were part of Central America, not as much as with the Caribbean, right? The same zone, but I think it's kind of separate because mo most of it because of the language. Because in El Salvador, in all Central America, from Mexico, all the way to Argentina, the Spanish is the, is the language, right? So it makes you feel more like Latin, like, like the roots with Mexico and all the traditions that we share. And I was like, it's a little bit different in the Caribbean, right? It's other traditions, the other kind of people, other, other, there were other conquerors in the Caribbean and there were other conquerors. So the, the traditions are, are sort of different, but we are really friendly people. I mean, Diego, I think he, he inspired us well. We like to be friendly. We like to try other cultures, learn from other cultures. And in the past few years, El Salvador has been, uh, has been put in the middle of that, of, uh, of a map of technology, of trick, of a really cool president. And it has been having a lot of, uh, of buzz and everywhere, everywhere I go, it's like, oh, you're from El Salvador, how's crypto there? So that, I mean, it's, it's really fun. And it's really nice because before that we were really in the mouth for nothing. So, so, so for nice. what was it, what was it, nothing? What, what put you, what's, what put you most on the map? Like if we would talk about El Salvador, what would people talk about from El Salvador? Right now it's stricto. It's Nayib Bukele. Is it the and before that? I did. Before that, I mean, there was just not, there was there's just not more to talk about good things from El Salvador other than the Marat or the gangs. We were famous for being the second most violent country in the whole world. So there was a, a, a big, conflict here. So hopefully now it's kind of different and we're being seen from, from other perspective, more positive. So I well, have to ask, sorry, Diego, final questions before we go on to the more like in-depth stuff and we go into business and why like, how big is Carnival in El Salvador? Carnival? Yeah. Like, uh, oh, no, I, I think you are, <laughs> you are as like, you're, you're talking about the Carnival like in Brazil? Yeah, so I want to know like, if, if, it, if, it, if you also celebrate it, I want to know about Carnival and I want to know about Dia de las Muertes. I, I'm really curious about uh, these two active events and which one is more popular or do you celebrate them at all? In, in, in El Salvador, we have our own like Carnival per, per se, right? It's not a Carnival, it's like more like, like parades and I don't know how to say it in English, but more like Gesta Patronales. It's like having big party all over the city. It's, it's in August and it, the whole, the whole country stops, right? And it comes a lot of partying, a lot of going with the family to different fairs and stuff. And that's, we celebrate that in El Salvador, it's in August, but for all the countries in Central America, there's different, different parts of the year that they celebrate their, like their national holidays for, 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 for say. And then we have uh, Dia de los Muertos, which is I like very Mexican tradition, which is really close to us, but it's not a big, it's, it's holiday for us and we celebrate, we go to that, but it's more like, like going to the, to the cemetery. We think so you meaning to honor your, your ancestors and it's not kind of like party, but more like, more like, like serious holiday, like really honoring your ancestors. That's how we live it here. Not, not really like the, the party being like in Mexico. <laughs> Yeah, and that's like in October, right? I think I, I attended one of those kind of parties when I was in New Zealand, right before I left. And it was kind of odd being there. Like, it, it's, it's a weird vibe if you're not used to it. You're not from the region, <laughs> uh, to say the least. But yeah, come, coming back to El Salvador, you, you mentioned it, you know, one of the first conversations we struck after, I think, for one of our road trips importance is I, I talked to you in the bus, like, you know, what's crypto really like there, for example. And you mentioned, you <laughs> yeah. know, that technology has kind of put El Salvador in the spotlight of the world. But we, what we see is like mainstream media, right? But like, mm -hmm. what, what, what is it actually like for an individual, like you yourself as a, a business owner? Is it all fluff or is it like, how are you experiencing that, that the spotlight? For, for me, it's, as I said in the beginning, it's really nice to be like recognized outside of my country for something good. That's a big change. Before that, it was like really, yeah. but talking about all the crypto and Bitcoin and all the easiness to make business here in El Salvador, I have to say that past, it was, we have a, a year and a half with the law of Bitcoin here. Is 
which is the, the law is that Bitcoin is a legal tender. So we can pay Bitcoin as we can pay dollars. Our legal currency is dollars, US dollars. So we, in Salvador, we use... El Salvador doesn't has it, have its own, like... We had, we had it, our own uh, currency, like before, before 2001. And it's called Colón, but yeah. nobody uses it. I mean, it's just in books. So and it's you can see it in your, in your bank account. Would, can you still pay with Colón? It's Colón is $8, eight Colons for $1. What's the change? In the, in the moment that they dollarized the country, ah. it stayed like that. Well, that's not so too we, bad. <laughs> yeah. So now everything, like it was like in 2000, I, I think I was in, at school still that I didn't understand that much, but they just, the Colón disappeared and every time they have a dollar until now we Colones only in their bank account. Like we have X Colones, which is X dollars, right? So it's just like for having the books or something, but you know, you don't really use it when, whenever you see prices, whenever you pay with US dollars, that's a currency. So. Aside from the US dollar, now we have crypto, we have Bitcoins, it, it, it specifically Bitcoin. You can pay with Bitcoin wherever you go. And the businesses were like, were pushed to have these apps to, to develop their own payment methods or payment received methods so we can pay with Bitcoin. And in the reality, what happened was that the government sent out a uh, a wallet, right? A crypto wallet, which was a Chivo wallet. And then we got a bonus of $20 worth of Bitcoin for every citizen. So we could use those $20 with Chivo wallet everywhere in the country. So wherever you could go, you could pay with your Bitcoins worth $20. And then you can continue to do that. But what happened was that most people download the, the app, they got their $20 with their national document, I think that they never used it again, right? So they just spent $30 worth of Bitcoin and then yeah. away the app. The, the reality is usually the adoption curve, you know, people just see it as free money, I, I would assume. And then yeah. like, yeah, introducing new technologies, it's definitely challenging, but having that in the spotlight, like has that created any like other opportunities for entrepreneurs, for example, like ha have new businesses developed from what you've seen on the ground or you have you, how have you approached your business differently? In, in, there's, there has been a lot of boom of fintech here in Salvador. A lot of enterprises going to, into fintech, having payment methods, uh, different uh, innovation in that case. But just, just to close that, the, the crypto thing, the, the real thing that's happening here that no one's using. It's a very few part of the population that use it, actually use it. I mean, you can go to McDonald's and you can pay with Bitcoin, but I mean, the line is always empty. I mean, no one But really doesn't that give that. an advantage? Like, hey, the line is empty, so it's actually easier. So Yeah, but no, 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 sorry. Are people buying stuff with Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but no, not really because Right now, like with the crash of Bitcoin, yeah. everyone was like coming out of Bitcoin because it was, it's, it's specifically Bitcoin, which is our legal tender, right? We cannot pay with other, like Ethereum or yeah. other currency. You get paid with Bitcoin. So it's, yeah, you, it's can't go, you can't go to the coffee shop and pay with Doge. No, you can't. Cup of coffee and pay with you it's you can pay with Bitcoin, but not with Doge. Yeah, yeah, it's only Bitcoin. Some other entrepreneurs, they have set other cryptocurrency. But the catch is that if it's a legal tender, you can't declare the goods, right? You are up to pay like uh, taxes. So that's why Bitcoin is a legal tender. So you cannot pay with Doge because that's how yeah, the, it, it complicates the accounting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the accounting and all the legal stuff. So bottom line is that not everyone, like it's the vast minority that is using, like really using. But I mean, it's, a, it's an option, so it's always good. We welcome a lot of tourists because of that, because tourists do use them. Get a lot of crypto nerds talk to us a lot just to try it and buy stuff. So, so the tourists do use it. Yeah, the tourists, most, most tourists come to do that. Yeah, like to, oh, to try it. I mean, it's useful. And that's, <laughs> that's actually now quite good because of the market. It's actually quite good to get crypto payments on, on kind of the, the cheap, as we like to, to call it. But 
how does that for you, like in, in your plans for 2023, is that something you can incorporate now that it's kind of a legal tender? Is it something that you can incorporate in your business model? Say like, hey, I'm going to make a business model from having Bitcoin as a legal payment. So I'm going to invest in it and then cash it out when I can maximize my returns. Is that something that's that being considered at the moment? I am a very, I am a very conservative guy. And I think that I am not, I will not get into something that I don't fully understand because I mean, there's a lot of risk all up there. You, you just have to see Sam back my feet, but he's into right now. So if I don't quite get it, I, I'd rather not do it. But there's a lot of small businesses that, that started last year that were like into what, when you created you mining, crypto mining, mining. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of small entrepreneurship that came up with crypto mining and then they offered, they offered plans so you could mine, yeah. you could uh, like be a part of mining, you know, kind of things. So yeah. that was last year. That was last year because it was a boom. It was, yeah. there was a lot of, of enthusiasm so right now. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. No, we're, we're laughing because it's, it's very similar in a lot of countries that these third party services come around and a lot of them in the name or in the name of, of crypto and in the name of Bitcoin, but they're just reorganized MLM schemes. And, and we always laugh as soon as we hear packages, we're like, you know what, yeah. you know, you either mind yourself or you don't mind. And by minding yourself, <laughs> we don't mean buying a package of somebody that mm. supposedly minds and you have never seen a mining rig in your life. So I, I think it's yeah. definitely, and, and I, I do feel, and that's, that's why it's interesting to ask, like you mentioned with the tourists, it is kind of like a source of income for tourists coming in and saying like, Hey, I can pay with, with, with Bitcoin. The downside is as well, you get a lot of scammers who are like, Hey, there's some easy money to be made there. Let's, let's go mm -hmm. try it out. So I can imagine that, that, that does have an, an impact and I fully understand your your conservative approach because we are very much still in the early phases of, of this technology. And yeah, most of us don't understand like more than 5% of it. Right. And get right. So in, in the context of tech, you already mentioned FinTech has been like uh, the developing that kind of a spin-off effect of what happened with Bitcoin, but also like other technologies, like uh, we, we closed last year of it. AI, artificial yeah. intelligence, you know, metaphors, the evolution of social media as well. Like if you look at it from a like business perspective, have there been any other opportunities? Cause remind me again, you are in the, we're in the fruit, fruit business, right? Yeah. yeah. Like fruit business. Yeah. how has like the, the limelight of technology kind of affected entrepreneurs and how, how are you yourself kind of embracing or like rejecting that technology? Well, I, in, in my case, well, I, I own a, I own Fruto Infinito, which is a company that connects farmers to local businesses, maybe hotels, restaurants, your house. So what we try to do is pay fair prices to our producers or we have our own production or some, some things, and then we distribute it among in the, in the city, right? So with this technology coming in, well, I did it in my webpage. You can pay with Bitcoin. You can like incorporate some of these technologies, but it hasn't really affected me or benefited me or, or any either or, right? It has been more of the same in the business, right? Doing the things you do well, try to replicate them and try to do your best day by day. And having good earnings as well as for the farmers, as well as for, for ourselves in Pluto. So with that, with this kind of technologies, there it has uh, hasn't had an impact, like really, really at what, what we do. I think what we what we have learned is that you can incorporate technology into farming also, like having all this traceability all the way from the farmer to where it's gonna be used. But right now the, the, the reality is that in El Salvador, no one really pays for that value add, right? Because if you are, you are going to trace back using technology, maybe using these technologies of, what is the technology behind crypto? I'm, I'm like blockchain. remembering blockchain. Yeah. So if you, if you're, if you're going to use that, 
for tracing back all the, if possible, right? To trace back what the seed that you planted, what was the weather, all this data collected, you can, you can sell that, but I mean, that, that carries a cost, right? And right here in the Salvador, the reality is that we are not a, a developed country, which pays for value more like they pay for like more the cheap uh, things, right? Or, or they- That's a step too far, basically. What, yeah. what, what would you say is yeah, like yeah. The, the, the biggest industry, like if, if we're talking about income on a country level, the biggest industry in, in El Salvador? In El Salvador, there's a lot of, right now there's like construction boom, like construct, because there's a lot of buildings, new buildings, a lot of people working in construction. But traditionally we have been able to, to our economy depends a lot in, in sugar cane, Portuguese sugar and producing all the, all the, all the cane. But in the, in the case of El Salvador, many of El Salvador, I know, I don't know the other Central American countries, but the main source of income is our, our Salvador's outside. So oh, all uh, the things, all the money, remittances, yeah, don't remiss us in here. So that's like half of what the country does here, right? Because there's a lot of people. We are in Salvador, we are about 7 million people, like 6, 7 million people. Yeah, that's and 10, there's another 10 times us, basically. <laughs> yeah, and, that, yeah. and that's just here. Now, outside of Salvador, in Australia, New Zealand, mostly in the US, in the West Coast, and in, also in Washington, there's other 7 million people. So all these people living abroad, they said a lot of revenue. And that's the main source income for that. How about government. rum? Do you have a good rum? Because you're talking sugar cane, so you must have a good rum, at least one good rum. We, we, we have, we have a, a rum rum, it's called Siguatan. Yeah, it, and it, it's all like a, a really, like this nostalgic product, you know, that people get it to go to, to sell it in other countries. I missed get, getting grown rum to, to, to Diego in oh, Portland. No. I should have gotten uh, <laughs> a bottle of rum. But I mean, I couldn't, but yeah, we have, we have a good drum. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, so from a fruit perspective, like you mentioned, like the technology, the blockchain technology could work, but there's no real incentive to do it. There's no monetary value to do it at the moment, of course. Um, moment, yeah. I was immediately thinking like, Hey, fruit NFTs, but again, there has to be like a use use case for it. So I feel like we're still very far away from, from use cases, but between when they decided to make it a legal entity of, or use Bitcoin as a legal asset until now, has there been a pitch towards a certain product or a company that has succeeded, that has been successful where you're like, oh, wow, this, this, this is actually a pretty good use case for, for Bitcoin. Well, actually, I, I, I cannot think of one. Really, I cannot think about specifically of Bitcoin, right? I, I cannot, or, or crypto. I cannot think of one really successful organization like uh, Salvador and or, or entrepreneurship that has been able to, to, to cope with all the, all the requirements to do an app or, or to do everything like really nice. Most of the businesses that run here, the, the, the Bitcoin and the crypto things are like other, from other countries, mainly the US, right? So we have all, all these apps that are famous right now here, like Stripe, for example, something big here. So it's more like and expats or like people from outside coming to work there or setting up stuff there or headquartering in yeah. El Salvador. The, the brands, I mean, the, the people that already did this all over the world or maybe other developed yeah, companies come here and they establish their operation. Bigger but not like four. Yeah, bigger franchises, but not like someone something born here and like developed so, here. Other... So how would you describe the state of like entrepreneurship in El Salvador? Like, is, is there a lot of small businesses, like, like family owned businesses? Cause we have... there, there's a nuance difference. You have, you have business owners and you have like entrepreneurship. So yeah, how would you describe that scene in El Salvador? In, in, you know, in El Salvador, we have, we tend to be, we tend to like a lot of what is outside the country. We prefer what is important than what is national. You know, it has been something, I don't know if to say, but in your country, but in here, it's, it's really the, it's evidence. The it's the same. Yeah. Usually so, in the Southern countries, it's the same. 
Yeah, but I mean, in here you can you 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 cannot see it. You have a good burger, like right besides McDonald's, which has a lot of pressure products and everything. But people go to so because we have this issue with that. But in the past few years, I have seen more nationalistic approach to business. So I have seen a lot of small businesses rise. And I'm in the food sector, so I see a lot of small businesses going into small restaurants. Not, not, not a not franchises like before that everyone wanted to put like a franchise, but right now, like growing, innovating from, from their own. And in the entrepreneurship panorama here in Salvador, I think it has had a lot of support from the government. That, that is something good because it has provided with training to people that want to get entrepreneurs to want to business owners to want to open their own business and also focus in what the government is pushing. Like for example, tourism, for example, there's a lot of tourism companies growing in here because there's a lot of tourists. Right? And also what I said about fintech, about payment options, not really into, into the crypto or Bitcoin thing, but all just payment options, like pay with your phone and apps that develop are developed here that contribute to that. So I think it, it's a, in, in general, in the country, there's that positive approach for entrepreneurs. People, I, I differently what I saw like maybe 10 years ago that it was, the situation was like literally bad because we had a lot of the, of, of robbery, a lot of gangs. You can, you get, I don't know how you call it, but you can get like blackmail, maybe it's the word. Like you could get friends, friends and like, you need to pay to the gangs to continue your operation. Right. So that happened like 10, maybe five years ago, but right now that's like over. The government did a nice job in cleaning up the, all the bad guys. And now that, that, that same air of peace that we breathe, it motivates a lot of business owners to open up their businesses because not right now there's no risk of a gang coming to your house and asking you for money or your life. Right. So that is, that has given a lot of good influence for people to, to promote their having a business. But I think it's positive. So you've also like, I'm not sure, but aside from the traveling to the U.S. to Portland, have you experienced like how business is anywhere else just for a frame of reference? Actually, I was in the, the, my first experience with how business was, was with Twilight and it was very Right? Because as you said, I was, I, I was part of the, of the pandemic yeah. uh, of the pandemic wildlife. So it was all been strong, but it was nice because it opened up a lot of possibilities to know what's happening, not only in the U.S., but also in other countries. And having, having been part of that, of that wildlife, I got part of also virtually uh, about another fellowship in, in, in Spain. So Spain. I got the chance, yeah, so I got the chance to to talk to entrepreneurs in Spain, to know how it was there. So as developed countries, they were really different than underdeveloped. Well, what would you say is like the, the biggest shock or like a moment of, wow, is it really that easy or that difficult to, for example, when you went to Portland and, and met you with your host, like the, the different environment, like what, what shocked you the most or like surprised you the most? For me, is that it's really easier to make business in, in, in countries like ours. Like, I mean, it's really because of the laws are not so, so enforced, like in the U.S., for example, or in Spain. They don't, no, I mean, you mean it's, it's easier, easier to start a business in El Salvador compared to Spain or the U.S.? It, uh, I, I the regulations are easier. less harsh. Yeah. yeah. That's less harsh. I mean, you need less money to start. I mean, you need less resources to start. So in that case, it's easier because with a little, with a little money, you can start in Europe or in the U.S. If you want to start business, you need to have funding. You need to have a lot of money to comply with all the regulations and with all the things you have to pay. And as everything is more expensive, you need to have a backup plan. You need to have really a good idea or either a lot of money or either funding so you can make it real in, in, According to my experience, in in our countries, it's easier than that. You can start with the viewer, and if you are successful, then you can grow it into a lot. You can you can bootstrap a lot. 
can use your own money to do it and try to do that. But in Europe, you start like that. Do we undervalue it? Do we take it for granted that it's easier for instance in El Salvador to, to start a business? Do we take it for granted? I, I think my experience is that I, I started a business. I was, I was driven into it because I lost my, my secure job, right? In, in, in one time of my life. And I, I thought it wasn't fair how I lost my job. I thought it was me. I, I worked a lot for this company and now I'm, I'm jobless and seeking. So I didn't want to leave that experience again. So I decided to, to make my own path, right? To, to like, if, if, if someday I'm going to be in a, 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 a business, this is my time, I said, in that like five, six years. So I started my business like that and I didn't know how it was. I had no experience. My, my parents are not, I are not business owners. They are like salary people, right? Like regular people that work for a salary, like most of us. And it was really hard for me. But when I opened my eyes, like, like Diego said, like talking to other countries, talking to other cultures, I think it would be easier for people to, to run a, 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 a business here in Salvador. Because I mean, they, they just give it for granted because they have a lot of possibilities to do it. And if you have a good idea, you can make it work. It is difficult to make it grow and to sustain it in time. That is hard, but not, not the beginning, but to make it like a former business and to sustain it and to make it grow. That is, that is difficult in our countries and it is easier in the US and in Europe, but it is because they have all this structure from the beginning. And as we begin, like really small, it is difficult to grow, but they, they begin companies like really strong. So I think that's the, the main difference. It's easy to start, but it's difficult to sustain and in our If you were starting over and you had the opportunities to start for something in, in Spain or the US, would, would you still start how you started or would you opt in for the other option where it's more difficult, but with more potential for I think if I had that, if I had, I mean, it's, it's not up only to you because you have to have the resources. Also, you, have, you need to have the possibilities. You need to have access to credit, which is difficult in other countries. And I, I if he was, if I had all the same path I had here, I will definitely do it. I, I, I will definitely go for up in a business. And I mean, all the risk it takes, but it's really gratificating, not only because of what you do, but also you generate jobs. I mean, you, you generate jobs for people that maybe they are not capable of having their own job or, or their own company because they are, they, they can't. So being a business owner or business leader, it's also a responsibility because we generate, we create jobs, we create opportunities for people that are unable to do it. So I mean, it's really grateful for me to be part of this. I do want to jump into that. Because in the beginning, when I started out being an entrepreneur, it was about jobs as well. And then the question at a certain point came up, what's the end goal in that sense for creating jobs? Yeah. Like, is there a certain number that you're satisfied with? Is there a certain system that you're satisfied with? Or is it something knowing that you help start a career of somebody else who even grows bigger than you grow? So, so where, where, like when, when we take the perspective as an, as an entrepreneur to say like, because I'm going to go full context, Diego and I differ in that sense. And saying that Diego is a solopreneur where he says like, listen, I have a particular skills and I do work together with others, but basically I run a one man company for him. I do collaborate on projects, but I invest in myself. Whereas I run a company currently with, I think. 14 FTE, focusing on now in the stage where we have to decide as a company, are we going to go for specialized products and services or are we going to scale to 50 to larger and become like a big firm? And that's why I'm basically asking you this question. <laughs> yeah, isn't for me. Since the beginning, well, I, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my stories of how I got here, and like where I'm at this point. And as I said, I, I lost my job in one phase of my, my career. 
And then I started at business, but I started with someone else. I was I partnered with someone and we began, he was really good at sales and I was really good at administrator and purchasing. So we had a great team, but this ended just the, the pandemic began and we took our separate ways because we, we had different opinions, we had different choices. And then I became, became a solopreneur, right? I started myself doing my, my thing and, and the thing is that I started with a vision to provide to, to my family, right? That was my vision. I had a family. I'm a family guy. I love my family. I love my wife. I have four kids. My last kid was born like a week ago. So she's just like seven, eight days. Congrats. Also, right? Hey, hey. So that's like my motivation. That's like what I do for a living. So with that vision in mind, I started my business. And as I was growing, I, I, I could hire someone else and then someone else more. And I saw that these people that work in the organization, they also have their families, right? They also have their, their values. They provide for their kids. They have kids at school. They have responsibility. And I fell in love with the fact that helping others, it's really nice like i know that the, the word in english but it's really like both for that and it gives a lot of joy it's a lot of joy in sharing in making them part of something and i began with i i was i began myself and now we are eight people in the in the, the in two years that we've been doing this i started so when i saw this this past december we made a party right like christmas party with all the people that work with and I said, wow, last year we were only three, now we're eight. And it was, and it's amazing that feeling that these people are working for a purpose. They are providing to their families. And I mean, it makes me feel like really nice and it makes me want more. And I, I think that's the path I'm going to take. I'm going to try to uh, generate more opportunities, make more sales, to have more people coming in and work and having a great team. I mean, I, I, I just love the fact that I can contribute to the society. I, it seems like a little bit of a dreamer, but I, I no, think it's, it's very inspiring. I have to say, I almost want to, I want to almost want to scale now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. nice. It's difficult because I mean, I had, I had experiences that people are not grateful. I mean, they, they backstab you, right? I had, I had employees that they, steal some money of the customers, for example, just if they pay you in the, I mean, if you have good controls, I had bad experience, but that's just exceptions. I mean, the, the rule, I mean, most of the people I have worked with are really good people, really compromised people. And it's, it is for working for them and making a, a, a big company for more people to. So it has the good and the bad, but the good is more important. So you're going to scale now, Jean-Luc? <laughs> I'm not sure, but it's still, and, and the reason why I'm saying I'm not sure, because it's not up to me anymore. Uh, no, okay. I think that's the biggest, the biggest change that I made was to say, like, first of all, there are multiple partners, so there are multiple shareholders that decide. And secondly, I'm in a little bit of a different situation in the sense that I'm not the first generation entrepreneur. So I have commitments to family businesses as well, which I have avoided for at least 10 years, but I'm now <laughs> coming to a certain age where I can no longer dismiss it. And you my, need to face it. And my dad is also getting to an age where he just needs to retire, even though he still pretty much loves what he's doing, that I feel responsible as an only child that I'm in some way in, involved and for me that shifts the focus a little bit and puts a little bit too much pressure on the rest of the management team of, of, of our company so I it wouldn't be fair for me to say like I want to scale but you guys have to do it you know from that perspective it, it, it works differently and, and scaling now is more towards synergy between businesses than making one big business because all, and, and that's an accomplishment by, that's not something that I did, but all these businesses had a pretty good year last year. So 
in that sense, it's like now I have to focus. I have to change my focus from from a, a CEO to a board member, basically, like understanding how to look at a business from a completely different perspective than from, from the operational side. And at the same time, understand that some of the companies are still in a very early stage and haven't fully matured. So you need to be on the operational side as well. So it's a very kind of interesting balance. But Diego, to be honest, Boris did inspire me, like from the perspective. I know this is a good thing, like like to give, to give people more perspective and then we'll get back to to Boris is today we had our annual office cleanup. So the first, the second work day of the, of the year, or the second possible day of the year, we have our office cleanup. And basically that in, in the beginning, like Boris, just like you said, with the Christmas party, in the beginning, it's just you, like, and maybe two others, like, okay, we're going to do the office cleanup. And then I take all this cleaning stuff and I start cleaning the office. And then in year two, you're cleaning with the three of us. Okay, we're cleaning three of us. And then in year three, hey, we're cleaning with five people. And today we were cleaning with eight. So the office was clean within two hours. We rearranged the whole office to make more space because it's an office for at max eight people, but we're fit 14. So we had to configure all the chairs and the table in a way that at busiest, like on the Monday and Friday, when it's basically office days, we due to COVID, we didn't have office days, but now we're kind of bringing back office days. There has to be space and there has to be space for 14 people. And I also think the most that today we had the most luxurious lunch we've ever had on cleaning day, but that's also because this was one of the most fun cleaning days because we were really there as a team and everybody was pitching in and helping out and it was really fun. And then I do get the feeling that Boris is describing like, hey, this is so cool. Like people are part of it. They feel part of it because they could have also said like, oh, it isn't mandatory. Oh yeah, Sherlock is fine. You, you clean the office. We, we, don't, we don't care. And they actually showed up and some of them were at the office before me. So that always really gives like, and it's also something people that you're like worried that like, oh, they weren't really satisfied how with the year went last year. No, they're Jack saying like, Hey, I'm, I, I feel for this company. I want to help. And that's the feeling that, that Boris's thought gave me. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I can definitely relate to, to, to that feeling. And, and this is what I meant when I met Boris. Boris has some sort of like magic to talk and th th this is basically what he did throughout the whole e experience I, since I met him. I am passionate. I am passionate <laughs> to what I do. I, re I really mean it. <laughs> so how much of that was born? How much was it raised? Like how, how, how did it came about? You know, I, I, I am going to, to get into a, a topic which I don't know if you're comfortable with, but I, I believe in God a lot. I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I believe in God, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I believe that I have been, I don't know, people call it meditation. People call it a lot of ways, but in, in a way for me, it's praying, having your alone time with God, your plans, what you do. And I, I've been having my, my alone time for about three years now. And I write a diary and write, not every day, right? Because it's kind of difficult, but I write new ideas or things that I talk to God and I, asking for wisdom and intelligence and everything that comes from him. And it has been a, quite a different of living the day by day, really passionate. I mean, I can only make the most of this moment, right? It's just, I just have an hour with you guys and not just an hour, just this minute. I have this minute to speak to you. So if I'm going to be here, I'm going to make the best stuff. And if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be passionate about it. And that's what I try to admit. That's because. That inspires me to be like living the day. And if, when I was in Portland, I was living in Portland. And I was like basically networking and having friends and making the most of it because it is the moment that will never, ever come back. I mean, we can have another social composing like in a year or maybe a month, I don't know, but it's not going to be the same. It's going to be a different context. So if you're living today, you better make it. 
most out of today. So that I think where it comes to right this this desire to make the most of. Yeah, having seen that up close and personal, I can attest to that. Like literally, how he is here <laughs> on screen, it, it's even like more contagious in person. But but <laughs> but but on that note, you mentioned you know when you started off, you started as solopreneur, then you started growing team up now in the past two to three years. Like yes, you have like this this passion and innate ability to inspire. I'd I'd, I'd say people, but. With that comes also, with running a business comes also leadership skills. Like, how has, I guess, from starting your business solo, that leadership evolved in growing it into a team? And how has the experience from something like wildlife affected the way you kind of approach leadership? I, I think the most interesting, interesting part and the most enriching part of being part of wildlife and this experience in Portland and another experience is, is that you get to meet new people and new perspectives of feeling life. You know, as what happened here with Jan Duke and me, I, I, he's living through something that I, I try to inspire with, with why I say, right? But leadership is that learning from other people and taking the best out of different people, what, what you can, what it gets to you and applying that when you come back to your normal life because you have a norm, you have a normal life every day, but there are a few things, a few moments in life that you can get back to develop your leadership with other people. That, that was, I think the most enriching part of Wiley because I met so many characters, so many people that I learned from doing I, what have you done in this situation? And maybe they did something else that I tried to learn from that and apply that when I come back here. And leadership, I think it's something that most people can learn to, but leadership is about commitment. You know, if you want to be a leader, you have to be committed, like really. And, and that's what people miss. They want to be leaders without being committed. And that's not possible. You need to, and, and, and I remember in, in back in Portland, talking about wildlife, I was, I was really committed to the group. And yeah, you can say that, right? I was like, yeah, I was yeah. really caring for the group. The, the group nominated him mayor of Portland for the group. <laughs> but but I, I was really committed to the group. I was really committed to the thing. So. 100%. You, 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 you formulated it perfectly. It's, it's, and it's, and it's a very big problem in the, in the upcoming professional generation of, not taking ownership, but do wanting the benefits from from other people that take ownership and and are committed. So I think it's it's beautifully worded, and I yeah I don't have anything to I completely agree on it. Yeah, and, and you have been right that the problem with the next generation is that they don't commit to nothing. They 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 just want to be part of, but not committed, and that's a big difference. And I was talking this morning about different our commitment and being involved. And it was the example of a breakfast. And when you eat breakfast here in Salvador, there's there's eggs, there's cheese, there's bacon, right? There's like something that you probably you're bringing well, back flashback. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Flashback. So that's so talking about commitment and involvement, you know, the hen the hen or the hen, yeah, the hen gave the, the egg, right? She was involved. Then the cow they get the cheese and the milk and cheese that was involved. But the only one committed was the pork. The poor pig needs to die to be there in your plate. So he was committed. And that's the difference. You know, you need to be able to, you, you need to be willing to die for something. I mean, talking like figurative, but you need to be like the pork. One hand of an analogy. Nothing. You know, wow. the hand continued their lives, <laughs> the cow continued, but the pork, he gave everything. And he, he died to be there in your place. So you need to be committed to be a leader and to take the good with the bad, because being a leader, it's not only about good things. Maybe good things in what you see in social media, but there's a lot of failure behind. There's a lot of, of being alone. I think so. And that's what family, it's important be back there. So I, I, that's how I feel about commitment and, and 
and these experiences. And it has opened me, Diego, to other experiences. You know, I don't know, Alonso from Brazil will invite you soon, I think. But uh, he invited me to, to a session in Brazil. And now you'll be able to go to Brazil to experience the social, the, the entrepreneurship panorama in Brazil. So that's really nice. And that happens only because I met with him and I get a good relationship and we developed a nice friendship. And now I'm going to be able to go and to live how they live in Brazil for, for a few days. So I think that's part of what, what's good being like really open to possibilities. I do have a final question about this because I'm really interested how you deal with it. For me personally, I love traveling. One of the biggest reasons why I never applied to YLI was family, where you kind of found a way to make it work with three kids at that time to do the YLI project. I couldn't make it work. But also when I travel, it takes a lot of time and commitment to get back into rhythm. So because you already say like, you're somebody that if you're there, you're going to be present. So if you're Portland, you're going to be present in Portland. You're going to give it you all. You're going to take every experience and then everything multiplies and comes at you and you get all these opportunities and you go back with JB20 opportunities and then you go back to your regular life. How do you transition back? Do you have tips for people similar to you who are entrepreneurs who can come back to their their day-to-day -day and struggle getting back into rhythm? You know, my, my first kind of, I don't know if it's advice or what I did, is that you have to make sure that you run a, a company or an organization that it is not depending on yourself. It is different to generate yourself a job than to be a leader in an organization and to be an entrepreneur. So the first thing is that you need to, to be sure that your organization or your entrepreneurship will continue to run even if you're not there. That is like, that gives you peace of mind so you can really live your experience out in your vacations or in your whatever thing you're going to do outside your country or, or anything. So you need to make sure that you have an organization, a solid that can run without you being in charge for a week or two weeks. In my case, it was three, four weeks. But that sense of having someone having taken care of you usually do and coming back to something that will be but still operating when you come back, it gives you a sense of peace. And with that being said, you, when one comes back, I mean, this, this is so funny because I lived it and it took me like, maybe three to four weeks to fully come back and land here in El Salvador because I was so into a lot of ideas and a lot of things that happened there and a lot of possibilities. But in the end, you take like the maybe two or three of the, all the 20 ideas you think, you, you commit to one, two or three maybe most, and then you continue your own life. But it gives you a sense of peace knowing that you can come back to a team, you can come back to an organization that continues to run without you, and that you can still like get the hold of it again. And to come back is like to narrow down your, your thoughts and be like honest with you of the 20 ideas I got. Really, how many of those things I want to do? Maybe one or two and be happy with your choice. Be happy with it because you have to be happy with whatever you, you choose. So I think it's like choosing whatever you got to stick to and Maybe renounce, I always say, quit on all the other ideas that may be really nice, but they're just not for you. They're not there. So leave it happy with that position. Yeah. Feeling much better now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. It took me like a few weeks to get back into rhythm as well. When I got back, I think we, we chatted a bit. And like, Boris, yeah. like, I'm, I'm still knocked out. I, I took it. So I had one of the hardest things. And, and, and I think. People under, I underestimated it. I'm going to give you an example because that's one of the main reasons why 2022, I, I can't give it a high grade because I traveled so much in the first six months of 2022 that it felt that I never got into a rhythm because we left <laughs> to San Diego and then I actually skipped one of my trips or two of my trips 
and in another room. So it was like in three, four months time, I traveled three times. So basically you never get back into rhythm because as soon as you get back into rhythm, you have your network. You need to live again. You need to live again. And, and, and it's like, it was the first time that I was completely like disoriented. Like you were just describing, like, yeah, I, I cannot, the, the best part about the structure that I've put up for myself is I have to bring the kids to school. So there's at least some consistency there where you just like, <laughs> I can't, I can't sleep out because I have to bring the kids to school. I'm, well, I'm, I'm up already. So let's go to work. So it's a really very, very much fluent process, but actually getting back into the rhythm took quite some time. I have to admit yeah. that's, that's, that's difficult. Diego, do you feel we have time for an over-under or not? I think we can do one each and then I have one final question to close it off. You want to start it off? Oh yeah, sure. Let's, let's, so Boris, what we usually do is give an over-under, overrated, underrated. You get to decide whether it's underrated or overrated. And if you want to elaborate, feel free to add why you chose that. So the first great, one, great. yeah. The first one I'm going to go really deep immediately is a supply chain strategy, overrated or underrated. And well, when we first, then we get killed. Underrated would be that underrated is, means like, people should invest more time into supply chain. It's, it's underappreciated. It's underappreciated. Under, okay, overrated great. is a supply chain strategy. Exaggerated. It's yeah. exaggerated or it's overhyped. Yeah. So I think for supply chain, it depends on the business you're in because some businesses depend a lot of supply chain, but I think it's underrated because if you really get to manage supply chain, you have a lot of business advantage, but it depends on the business. Okay. A less serious one for me, volcanoes, overrated or underrated? <laughs> <laughs> volcanoes are underrated. They are awesome. I mean, you need to visit. In some other, we have like twenty volcanoes in that piece of land. Like, so these are underrated. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how, okay. many are, how many are active of those twenty? I mean, like maybe two. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But now, oh, okay. We have, we have a we have a fewer a fewer underrated overrated. This one is for us, well, Diego. It's money oh, overrated man. are underrated. Money. Money is way overrated. Money should be tool, not a goal. Money is a tool to get whatever you want, but it's not the end goal. So I think it's deeply overrated. Yeah. If I look at, you mentioned SBF. I look at yeah. the SBF case. Money is heavily overrated. Indeed. Yeah, but it it's is. also underrated. I have to say it's underrated as too many people in the world still, still don't understand how it works. In right. that sense, yeah. Right. So I, I put it in the box of financial literacy. It's, it's heavily underrated. But I agree with Boris in the context of a tool. Yeah, that's yeah. how you use it. Okay, final question to close it out, Boris. How are you kicking off 2023? <laughs> I am kicking off 2023 in the best way with this podcast, which is amazing. But in the end, with everything coming in, I have a lot of good perspectives of growth this year. And I think I, I'm feeling really hopeful. I don't know, since the birth of my, my child, my, my last child, like, her name is Olivia. I've been feeling a lot of peace and I think I'm kicking off 2022 to be a, like the best year of my life. Talking about, I feel it, I can just like taste it and I feel like really confident on achieving. I don't know if I will, but what I, I'm kicking off like really motivated to do it. I'm confident that I can really achieve. Love it. Yeah. Embracing yeah. the commitment to entrepreneurship in your own words. Awesome. Of man. course. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> With that being said, Boris, we appreciate you coming on to Social Convos and sharing your journey. Like one of our viewers was very inspiring as well as Chandra. So we hope to maybe see you again soon. I hope to visit those volcanoes in El Salvador. Pretty soon. This time. <laughs> and the beaches are good also. Oh, the beaches uh, are good. So that's what you haven't pitched yet. We're, we're <laughs> going to close off on, on the beaches. A beach where, that's, I mean, Diego, imagine the selling point. A beach where you can pay with Bitcoin. I mean, 
if if that isn't a good sell, then I don't know what is. <laughs> so for everybody tuning in, we want to thank you as well. Boris, thank you for tuning in. As always, the episodes will be available on Spotify and all streaming platforms within a couple of weeks. And of course, we'll be back next week with a brand new social confos. Thank you for tuning in. And Diego, thank you guys for having me. Okay, well, thank you again, Boris, for joining. And Diego has now promised that he will visit a volcano. Thank you for watching. And so, so should I, I visited the volcano before. <laughs>